and and really my message to to those that will listen is that uh, you know succeeding in this space requires development of the uh, talent first and that includes supporting that talent through the first uh, and not just the training but after the training there's support to uh, ensure that those individuals are successful Welcome to Startupville, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and a startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm Mike Wolsfeld, our host is Dan Gold, and today we're talking with Thomas Benjo of FHQ Development and Dennis Cardman of Plato Testing. In 2015, Plato Testing identified software testing, a service primarily outsourced to other countries, as an opportunity to bring more Indigenous Canadians into the ICT industry. Since then, they've trained over 150 Indigenous software testers, many of whom work for the company today. In 2019, they partnered with FHQ Developments, the Economic Development Corporation for the File Hills Coppell Tribal Council in Saskatchewan. Through this partnership, they created Plato Sask, a Saskatchewan-based, Indigenous-owned software testing business that offers training and employment for Indigenous people in Saskatchewan. So far, this partnership has been a great success both in continuing to grow the Saskatchewan tech industry and in providing a path into the sector for people who previously had limited access to the opportunities and resources needed to do so. So we wanted to chat with Thomas and Dennis to learn more about their story and what they've learned that can help others in the tech sector increase access to opportunities and build more inclusive companies. Welcome to Startupville. Startup Bill is brought to you by Innovation Place and Martin Charlton Communications. As Mike said so eloquently in this introduction, we have Thomas Benjo, President and CEO of FHQ Development, and Dennis Carrigan, who is the President of Plato Testing. Thank you both for joining us here on Startupville. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Dan. So let's start with the basics. Uh, this is to Thomas. Um, what is FHQ? And uh, then, uh, Dennis, I'll come to you to ask you about what is Plato Sask. Sure. Um, I, as, uh, FHQ Developments is the uh, uh, First Nations Economic Development Corporation uh, that has been formed uh, for the Foul Hills Capel Tribal Council. So representing 11 uh, First Nations uh, here within Southern Saskatchewan. And uh, our job here is to create new uh, investments and partnerships um, uh, to create uh, wealth for our communities, uh, as well as a focus on uh, economic development uh, efforts to build tools and resources for our communities and our entrepreneurs, uh, as well as uh, Indigenous HR. So we help uh, create opportunities for employment and, and uh, HR consulting services. And Dennis, what about Plato Sask? Uh, Plato Sask testing is a uh, full service software testing services company. We operate uh, primarily as, a, as an IT uh, services company. Um, we were created in 2019 in a partnership between FHQ Developments and a company out of New Brunswick called Professional Quality Assurance Limited. Uh, what makes that relevant is Professional Quality Assurance Limited created a company called Plato Testing Nationally, of which company of which I'm uh, president, and uh, operated outside of Saskatchewan for a number of years. Um, we wanted to bring uh, 
the company to Saskatchewan. I'm a member of the Pasco First Nation, uh, which is right next door to uh, where Thomas is from at Muscapeding. And uh, I started a conversation with Thomas about uh, basically trying to access funding to help train software, Indigenous software testers in Saskatchewan. And Thomas, being a business-minded entrepreneurial thinker, said, great idea, but how about if we create a Saskatchewan company uh, that will be majority Indigenous-owned and uh, that uh, we can work together to create? So uh, the result of those conversations was the creation of Plato SAS testing. Um, and it's... Uh, 80% owned by FHQ Developments, 20% owned by PQA Limited out of uh, Fredericton. And then we've got a separate management agreement in place whereby Plato Testing manages a Plato SAS testing in Saskatchewan and is part of sort of a national testing organization that uh, has uh, Indigenous testing resources uh, across Canada. So I don't know who wants to take this. Maybe it's you, Dennis, but the the i the industry for people who don't know the industry of uh, of testing how, how did that come about as the direction you wanted to take uh, the organization in and uh, how popular is it over here well um it's a long question or long answer to the question really it's a the software testing really spun out of the software development world, software development lifecycle. Um, quite often when organizations, you know, do the development of whatever it is or whether it's customization of a commercial off-the-shelf software, um, it costs a lot of money to have developers test it as well as doing their, you know, development work. And sometimes it's better to have uh, folks that aren't doing the development actually do the testing uh, because they better mimic uh, actual users of, of the software, right? Um, the uh, reason it was created was uh, 2015, um, I was part of a uh, leadership conference called the Governor General's Canadian Leadership Conference. It's a two-week-long uh, event uh, that happens every few years. And I met uh, a gentleman from New Brunswick who uh, created a software testing company out of his basement, brought it across Canada, essentially to bring work from other parts of the world to create a labor force in New Brunswick. And uh, we had the idea one night of why not create a software testing company that focuses on, uh, you know, creating, bringing Indigenous talent into the IT space. Um, we chose software testing because we had a person who had a lot of experience in software testing, uh, managing a company, a successful company, uh, but also because the barrier to entry is a little bit lower than, say, for software developers. Um, so with, uh, with this industry, we can bring, you know, somebody you know, with, with little to no uh, uh, technical training, put them through a college accredited training course for about six to seven months. And at the end of that, actually put them to work on um, software testing projects for um, customers that can be across the world. And uh, as far as the industry goes, you know, in, in Canada, a lot of the work that we do, which is primarily manual testing, tends to go offshore to some, you know, somewhere else. And uh, our thoughts are, why not create a company that would, you know, take, basically provide training, create a workforce in Canada and keep that work here for the benefit of uh, Indigenous communities across Canada. And um, in terms of uh, Saskatchewan, um, we've been actually very successful. We've received a lot of uh, support from various organizations, uh, be, be they uh, government uh, ministries to uh, uh, some, some of the crowns um, and as well private industry. And in fact, our largest uh, customer is a private sector company out of Calgary. Um, what we do provide, of course, is uh, testing resources here in Canada in Canadian time zones. 
Um, we're, we're, you know, we think we believe we're, we're competitive with, with offshore to the best extent that we can be. Um, but uh, we also have the social impact side of what we do. Um, we contract really concentrate first on our, the fact that our testers are well trained and can deliver excellent service. Um, but there is an added social benefit to, uh, to contracting with us and the fact that we basically create jobs here in Canada or here in Saskatchewan in the case of Plato Sask. So, Thomas, from the point of view of the investment that you've made in this organization and the ownership structure, the mandate of of how the economic um, uh, shape of this works and the social uh, impact of it as well must be a, a factor in having made this investment in the first place. How do you, uh, and maybe a, Dennis, a question for Dennis as well with you both together, but, but Thomas primarily, how do you make sure when you're looking at investments, this one or other ones, that um, where you're looking at competing with the world market and they have very different economics for, because of exchange rates, because of cost of living, etc. How do you make sure? What is your uh, principle around making sure it's not a race to the bottom to secure work? Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, you know, when, when we look at our, our investments, we're, we're really, um, you know, we're, we're trying to create uh, as much uh, socioeconomic impact uh, that we can through our investments. And so, um, yes, we are looking at um, bottom line. Uh, we are looking at you know, being able to earn uh um, profits back uh, to the organization so that we can continue reinvesting in more companies. Um, but there is other measures that we look at in terms of, you know, what is the employment opportunity of, of putting more Indigenous people to work? Um, what are the other uh, economic spin-off activities or, or subcontracting that can happen um, between the organizations or companies that we create? And, and how do we share in that benefit with um, our nations or, or other uh, investments that we may have made? Um, we also look at, uh, you know, how is this impacting uh, the, the future livelihood of our, uh, of Indigenous people um, in these particular industries? And so, you know, when we look at uh, this particular industry and, and technology, um, it's it's really important for us to uh, be involved and, and to become leaders in, in this particular industry uh, so that, you know, we create more options and, and more diversity of, of um, uh, employment uh, and as well just from a portfolio perspective uh, for ourselves as an organization, just having the diversity of different types of uh, investments in different industries as opposed to just being in the, uh, in the resource sector. Well, just the, the race to the bottom question, we do as much as we can to, to be price competitive when it comes to our resources. Um, we think we're definitely in the market uh, for Saskatchewan and across Canada. Um, next question usually is, is there enough business in Saskatchewan to sustain a, a workforce uh, to the level that, that we want? And really what we're trying to do as much as anything is, is build an exportable service, right? Um, the, the national company that we have does work for companies out of California and Illinois and um, Massachusetts and uh, for certainly uh, organizations south of the border who are used to offshoring and, and outsourcing work, uh, we present a nice cost competitive option to them simply because of the exchange rate differences. 
um, as well. We're in the same time zones as, as they are, and that is often helpful. Sometimes organizations like that uh, following the sun model, um, but for those that don't, uh, we do provide a, a you know a nice uh, uh, a nice option there. And uh, we operate, you know, when we consider Plato Sask as part of a, a Canada-wide organization, we operate in five different time zones, right? So we can, uh, you know, provide a, a long workday uh, for organizations that need that. So uh, there's different ways of differentiating that. Um, certainly there are there's work that we have to turn away because people are used to sending work to somewhere else for, you know, a very low dollar per hour cost. Um, and then some some cases we've had organizations come back and say, well, you know, you, you do get what you pay for, right? I mean, there's there's uh, some things that, uh, um, you know, for sending work around the around the clock around the world to do it, uh, there are barriers to to the service that's provided. So we try to be as competitive as we can, and so far, so good. So just on that, and and maybe looking from the point of view of investing in people, and and in the communities, and how that how that affects people. Do you look at bringing uh, talent into your organization, having the training um, process and and the skilling that people need as as a part of their journey and their future, where maybe they they come to you, this is a commercial enterprise, you've got a business to run, you need the people to have the skills. But do you also look at the people that come through your doors from the point of view of what skills they can have, what what training they can have to future their lives, their careers, future on from potentially uh, being with you? Uh, absolutely. That's part of, um, <clears throat> I think, of why we, we started to get into this, right? So we um, the training program that we have is, is uh, it's a proprietary program, but we've partnered with a, a college in New Brunswick to actually certify it. So the, the training that we provide both at the foundational level and some of the more advanced levels actually carry uh, college Canadian college certification with it. And that was done primarily to make the program, um, it's, it's more easy to get, you know, government uh, support to help train the, the testers, right? Because there is a cost to training the people that, that, uh, that work for us. Now, the way the program works is we provide uh, training. And right now we have a course uh, in Saskatchewan. We've got five testers in training. They'll be done their in-class portion in April. And uh, once the, they've completed the in-class and then there's an 8 to 12 week paid internship that follows, uh, everyone who passes with a you know, minimum percentage and, and uh, is successful in the course, um, we guarantee a full-time permanent job offer with their company. Now, uh, once they've received that training, they've got their certification. If they get a job with somebody else, they're free to take that. Um, our guarantee to them is that this is this is what we will have to offer you when you're done. Now, uh, if we look at the uh, the history of Plato Sask, is really just you know a year and a half uh, now. So we haven't had um, some of the mobility that that uh, the larger company has had. But you look nationally. Uh, we've had people that have come through, you know, maybe have had some training in app development or something like that and uh, have worked, what, you know, been subject to the rigor of the QA process and understanding and getting some experience in, inside of uh, QA and testing. And we've had people who have gone on and say, you know what, I really like this, but what I really want to be is a software developer. So we've had people that have moved on to work with uh, a few telecom companies, a couple of banking companies, one um I guess we'll call it a defense contractor. And they're now either in testing with those organizations or um, are actually into the development side or business analysis or doing something that is connected to information technology. Um, and their, their path to get there was through our program, right? So we view that as, as a success. 
Uh, it's hard to monetize that, right? I mean, we we, we do have a business uh, that we want to keep, we want to train people for ourselves, but we do know that part of the journey of some of our employees will be starting as QA people. There, We do offer a career path inside of QA, but if some find themselves in some other uh, career in, in information technology and we're part of that path, um, we're happy to be a part of that story. I, I was just going to say, you know, in, in terms of, of our uh, view on, on these types of opportunities. So when, when we, um, uh, because we have an economic development function within our organization and because we have this HR function, um, as a First Nations development corporation, we're, we're always looking at developing people. And, you know, how do we develop Indigenous capacity in, inside of our organizations? And so um, what we do that's, that is a little different from an investment perspective is we do um, utilize uh, some of the uh, revenues that, that we have gained through our businesses. And we reinvest back into the community in terms of investing in youth programming um, that focuses on entrepreneurship or STEM, um, arts, uh, culture, language, all of these different areas. Um, but what we also do is is through our HR uh, company, we actually expose um, the opportunity to work for these organizations uh, through some of the events that, that we host. And so, you know, we're, we're really looking at this uh, from a long-term perspective and, and really reaching back to the Indigenous youth in our communities to expose them to the future career opportunities that they can have within our organization. And so there's a a nice pipeline of, of um, you know, indigenous talent uh, that, that, you know, we can rely on into the future. And, um, you know, that's that's really, um, you know, a part of our, our overall process. And it's it's a part of how we create a greater impact. In the community. Um, one other point that I, I think you alluded to and I, I didn't pick up on it, um, just in terms of sort of the competitive side of what we do, uh, we're in Saskatchewan, we're the only Indigenous IT services company there is, right? And, um, and as part of sort of moving to Saskatchewan and bringing the company here, um, I did end up speaking with a lot of other, you know, ostensibly competitors in, in the industry in Saskatchewan, so other consulting companies, and just to let them know that we we're here, that we're coming, and there's a lot of interest from from all of them to say, you know what, We've wanted to do what you're doing in terms of, of developing First Nation and Métis and Inuit talent in this sphere, but it's it's not easy to do. So what we're doing with, with our program is, is doing a lot of heavy lifting that we believe will benefit uh, all of Saskatchewan and, and, you know, the IT sector in our province in, in, uh, in total when we look at sort of the longer term view of it. And uh, we found that, uh, you know, to a, to a company, they've all been very supportive of us and uh, providing us the opportunity to partner with them on bids, be it with, you know, government uh, RFPs or uh, crown, crown sector RFPs, even private sector RFPs. Um, it's useful for their purposes to have an Indigenous partner, and it's useful for our, our purposes because, you know, as a new company, it's not always easy to write up a, you know, a 600-page RFP response, but to be included as part of that, to get some experience and get some work from that, um, and, and, you know, sort of in this spirit of cooperation has really been helpful. And it's something that uh, has been really, uh, really exciting and really heartening, I guess, to, to feel coming to Saskatchewan. And talking of Saskatchewan as, as an IT or technology hub, which is something that we're hoping to grow 
over time and, and hopefully sooner rather than later and have it as a core part, a collaborative part to the other industries, sectors and verticals that we have here. With what's happened over the last 12 months, which has been horrific for the world, do you think there is a mindset change where there has always been, this is how we've done it. We've had our testing done offshore here or somewhere, or or we've done that elsewhere. There seems to me to be a sense of um, uh, investing back inside Canada from from large corporations to mid-sized to smaller and it really starting to starting to grow this cycle of economic benefit for the country and as a part of that with people working more remotely or being in a more remote location and being in an office still do you think that we are starting to see change change from the point of view of you know High-end tech doesn't all have to be in Silicon Valley. It doesn't all have to be here. It doesn't all have to be there. We can really look at the talent wherever it is. And truly, with this the this last 12 months, uh, are we at that point where we can go, yeah, we have the talent here. Um, that's the first part. The second part to it is um, I went to an economic presentation which featured um, uh uh, John Lachmodier, I think. Um, and he was speaking about the untapped talent pool coming through high school now, which is really, this is the time to get them enthused about technology and opportunities. Here, uh, uh, what are your thoughts on the, 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 uh, you know, those two elements together? And, and I think I'll start with Dennis on that one. Okay. Um, yes, there's there's a lot in there. I um, I think that for us uh, as a company that you know really markets itself as a outsourced company, uh, the pandemic has actually helped because uh, when we uh, originally created the company, we thought what we want to do is be able to create jobs outside of the urban areas, right? So your tech hubs are Montreal, Toronto, Calgary, Vancouver, and then with you know we're trying to grow something in, in Saskatchewan as well. Um, and, and engaging with a lot of organizations in those centers quite often, and there's very good reasons for this, usually revolved around security or the way their agile development is done. Uh, many wanted resources on-prem. So the question was always, well, okay, do you have your indigenous testers close to where we have our, our development centers? And, uh, you know, so we had to kind of follow that footprint and, and, uh, and look to invest in those locations and train people in those locations. Um, but with the pandemic, all of a sudden, everyone, including government, says, well, okay, you know, we're going to push you out and you're going to work from home or you're going to work from somewhere other than uh, our location. And that's actually helped us, right? So um, and in, in, in a real-time, real-life uh, example, um, we have, uh, you know, we had a couple of our, our uh, resources working on a project with a company out of Calgary in the uh, banking uh, area. And uh, originally they were on site in, in that uh, company's uh, office here in Regina. And then, you know, first couple of months was like that. Everything was working fine. And then uh, come March 2020, um, the company says, no, go home and work and, and dial in remotely, basically, or log in remotely. They did that. And then uh, just the way the pandemic rolled out, one of my resources who lived with his brother, his brother lost his, uh, his job and had you know, decided to move home. 
And uh, all of a sudden, my guy's saying, well, I, you know, I'm without a place to live. Uh, the apartment was in his name. Kind of hard to find a, a new place to live in the middle of a lockdown. Can I go home as well? So, um, you know, we checked to make sure that he had uh, proper connectivity there. He did. And my comment was, the client doesn't care where you are. I don't care where you are either, as long as you're doing your work. So since, uh, you know, late April of uh, 2020, I've got a resource living on the Flying Dust First Nation in Meadow Lake. So, you know, into uh, northern Saskatchewan, uh, working on projects. And that project, uh, the particular one, concluded in November or December. And, you know, he was a Indigenous tester living and working in uh, and northern Saskatchewan on a project that had a test team with members in Vancouver, Regina, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Mississauga, Ontario, and Flying Dust, Saskatchewan. Client was in Calgary. Um, the uh, implementation was done in southern Manitoba, and the developers for this project were in Lisbon, Portugal. And uh, for me, I was thinking, you know, we've, we're actually doing it. We're actually creating a job uh, somewhere where we wanted to, somewhere that's outside of an urban area, and uh, our resource there doesn't have to compete with anyone else in that community for jobs that may be hard to get. And, uh, you know, we can create a sustainable work through the investment of, number one, human capital, giving uh, him the skills to do it. And number two, supporting him through projects to make sure that uh, he's successful in the work that he's doing. And that's something that, uh, you know, we've done sort of as part of our model is uh, we, we, we try wherever possible to place our, our junior testers, our Indigenous testers, uh, and a team with a more senior resource that has more experience. And in that way, they've got, you know, kind of ready-made coaching and mentorship on the project. And it's something that's worked well. And, and with the uh, with the pandemic, we've uh, had to pivot a bit and we, we've shown ourselves that we can do that remotely as well. So um, I think that uh, the uh, the appetite is there and certainly the upside is there to invest in Canada. Um, and then the pandemic has forced us to try things that we thought we could do um, and now we've had to prove that we can do them, even as, uh, you know, as far as learning and, and uh, delivery of, of services. So um, I'm, I'm quite optimistic with what will follow from this. And, and really my message to, to those that will listen is that, uh, you know, succeeding in this space requires development of the uh, talent first. And that includes supporting that talent through the first, uh, and not just the training, but after the training, there's support to uh, ensure that those individuals are successful. And then once you get into year two, year three, um, they can become autonomous and work on projects on their own. And it doesn't matter where the client is, they can deliver. Yeah, and I, I think to uh, to add to some of Vinny's uh, points, um, you know, in, when we look at uh, some of the changes that, that have occurred through uh, throughout the pandemic, there's there's been a lot of changes to the uh, procurement processes for a lot of organizations and you know we've spent some time in inside of those uh, those rooms having those conversations and making sure that uh, you know government organizations understand how important it is to play a role as uh, as economic developers as well uh, because you know when we look to spend uh, dollars um, through government um, you know it's not always the the best, um, choice to always look at the absolute bottom line, lowest price opportunity. It's how do we spend those dollars in the community that uh, are going to create greater impact for our population, uh, for the uh, taxpayer that that's that's paying for these services. And you know, we, we really have to think about um, how that affects uh, those in the community, and so. 
when you see these changes in policy and, and you see the incorporation of more um, Indigenous participation and in uh, those procurement policies, it allows for more um, Indigenous organizations to demonstrate further uh, economic and socioeconomic impact back to our, our customers, which, you know, is, is uh, the province or, or Crown Corporation or uh, even in the private sector. I mean, we, we talk about creating impact all the time. And so changes in procurement allow that to happen and, and it allows for uh, greater impact to happen in the community. And I think one, one of the really important things, and, and you know, you touched upon, um, you know, our, our Indigenous youth that are coming through high school, uh, that are looking for opportunities. If, if you play the numbers game right now, 36.2% of our uh, population in Saskatchewan under the age of 19 are Indigenous. So there is this wave of Indigenous talent that is coming. And if you are operating in Saskatchewan, and if you now know that 36% of the population under the age of 19 is, is Indigenous, well, you should have some sort of plan to um, engage with organizations like Plato Sask Testing or look at investing with um, Indigenous organizations like FHQ Developments uh, to meet some of those future um, goals and, and uh, you know, make that as part of your uh, key business strategy on building those relationships with Indigenous organizations that, that absolutely have a commitment on uh, creating a better community as a whole. I look at the lessons that are here for other organizations who maybe haven't looked at operating in this in this way or or coming to the resources that you have and the opportunities that are in front of them and i see here i'm based in saskatoon i i go to innovation place i see a lot of incredibly talented people and i see that there is now this acceleration and and purely my observation and you could correct me if i'm right or wrong um, but an acceleration in the understanding and the need for the greater good for Saskatchewan, for Canada, for for all peoples to really focus on collaborating, coming together, leveraging the talent and the opportunity for trained talent that we have to build a better and brighter future for all. If you had a uh, a message for someone who is looking at an idea, an embryonic idea, something that hasn't hasn't got off of a of, of a page yet, and they're thinking, um, you know, they're at home, uh, and and they're they're wanting to bring it forwards as an idea, and they're an indigenous young person. What pathway is there for them? Who do they come to? Who do they talk to? Who would be able to get them to move forwards on that path? Yeah, I, I think, um, well, it's it's actually interesting that you bring up that topic. Um, so it, I've actually, uh, I'm a part of the Saskatchewan Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I'm the uh, current first vice chair and, and incoming chair in May. Um, but one of the uh, really key things that was developed through the Saskatchewan Chamber of Commerce was the Indigenous Engagement Charter. Now, any Saskatchewan business, any business in general, could sign up and become a member of the charter. And what that means for that 
individual organization or if, 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 you know, somebody just wants to ask some questions about how can I be more engaged with Indigenous organizations? Um, what are the little things that I can do in my part of the world or in my business to include Indigenous engagement? There is a resource there. Uh, so there is somebody that is there to be able to help you and identify what those opportunities are. So, you know, if your organization wants to be able to, um, you know, make Indigenous business as a part of your, your, um, uh, your value chain um, or your supply chain, uh, there's resources there. There's an Indigenous business directory. Um, if you wanted to figure out what employment opportunities there could be in the future, there are resources there to connect you with organizations like our own um, that can help uh, organizations develop a plan on, on uh, increasing Indigenous capacity in their organization. Um, there are, uh, you know, maybe the organization wants to just learn more. Maybe they want to train their staff in Indigenous engagement and, and you know, John Lajamodier is, uh, has been, you know, one of the speakers that have come in and, and helped with the training. Um, and then people could become certified in Indigenous, uh, in, in, um, indigenous awareness. Uh, so there's, there's all of these tools that have been created. And so, you know, what, what I often tell people is that this isn't a difficult thing to um, embark upon because we've now worked with organizations to create the tools so that it makes it easier for your organization to adopt uh, Indigenous engagement strategies. And it, it doesn't matter if it's if it's something uh, huge and, and spectacular or, or something that that individual may feel is small and insignificant. As long as you utilize the resources to try to do something, um, at least you're, you're making that effort. And, and so, you know, the, the strategies at the end of the day are really structured in such a way um, for the individual to really um, identify what kind of impact they want to create in the community. And so it's, uh, it, it's really structured so that it's flexible to that organization and, and that, uh, um, you know, business owner. Um, I guess for myself, um, there's really uh, three things that I would think about. One... Um, there's, uh, it's good to, to find a mentor and somebody who's got experience as an entrepreneur, especially in the technology space. Certainly is uh, from joining uh, Plato testing and Plato SaaS testing, uh, I've been exposed to some uh, very bright people, but also some really entrepreneurial minds who I've found really look at the world differently than, uh, than other people, right? In terms of uh, measuring risk and opportunity and uh, having a mentor, having somebody to talk to like that, they can really help somebody, you know, take an idea and move it through the process. Um, I'm involved with an organization as well called uh, Venture for Canada, uh, and it's got a program that's really focused on uh, taking young uh, people that are interested in uh, becoming tech entrepreneurs and giving them experience and, and internships and things like that. There's certainly uh, an opportunity to explore that. And then the last thing, um, I'm, I'm involved with another group that's really just in its infancy, but it's a uh, uh, a group of uh, CEOs of uh, Indigenous technology companies. So uh, most so far are out of uh, British Columbia. I'm the only person not in British Columbia. Um, but really our goal is to um, to find a way to, to, you know, first of all, talk and share our experiences, um, but as well um, build, um, build a, a path that others that can follow. 
Um, you know, if they've got an idea, then here's a group that maybe they can reach out to and maybe we can share some knowledge from our experience that will help them uh, find their own way. And really much of uh, being an entrepreneur is about finding your own way and being resilient and, uh, and, and, and you know, asking for help when you need it, but uh, being able to rely on your own resources uh, most of the rest of the time. So that would be my messaging. I could speak and listen to you all day long. This is fascinating. And I'm certainly going to be digging into this a lot more and sharing some links of which people can absolutely find them with the Startupville podcast. Uh, I am also very proud to say that with the Saskatchewan Chamber, I did the Indigenous Awareness Training Course, and it is, it, it should be mandatory for everyone here. It's amazing. And it started me on a journey of wanting to learn more and discover more. And for that, I will forever be thankful. Um, I will ask you one at a time. I will start with Thomas on this one. If people wanted to find out more information about you and FHQ developments, where could they do that? Yeah, they can, uh, you know, check out our website, fhqdev.com, um, or uh, we're splashed across all social media channels, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. Um, so, uh, they can connect with us and then interact with our brand uh, there and, and keep up to speed on all of the uh, really interesting things we're doing in the community. And uh, for me, we're, we're very similar. It's uh, on the internet is www.hidosask.com. Uh, we're also on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook as well. Um, if folks are interested in learning more about our training program, there's a very good video on uh, YouTube. Um, it's a Plato testing Calgary. Um, it's got some um, uh, just individual student uh, uh, comments on, on what it's like to go through our training program. And uh, we've had, you know, pretty good coverage across Canada over the last five years. So if you type uh, Plato testing, you'll find uh, some, uh, you know, uh, links to uh, other conversations that I've had with different media and as well our founder and CEO as well. So um, a lot of opportunity. And I did watch that video and it was really interesting to see uh, the different personalities, different characters who were, were going through that process. It was, it was, it was enlightening as well. Um, thank you both for joining us here on Startupville. Uh, it's been truly an honor. Thank you very much. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place, helping grow the tech sector in Saskatchewan, Canada and is produced in partnership with Martin Charlton Communications at wetellyourstories.ca. The show is produced by me, Mike Wolsfeld, and our host, Dan Gold. Our theme music is from GG Riggs and Reactor Productions. Learn more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com slash startupville, and find us on Facebook and Twitter at StartupvillePod. Remember to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like listening to podcasts. It really helps us rise up the ranks. See you next time on Startupville.